0: Hello and welcome to the Kick It With Kira podcast, where the expected and the unexpected meet to transform healthcare for women, femmes, and non-binary folks. Let's give Dr. Candace Fraser a warm welcome to the Kick It With Kira podcast. Dr. Fraser is our beloved chief medical officer, Akira Health, or in other words, she is the life of the party. She currently lives in New York City and works as a board-certified OBGYN with over 10 years of experience caring for women. We talked about how she married CEO Crystal Adesanya in more detail during our second episode, so don't forget to go check that out if you haven't already. But essentially, one of the things that drew these two women to each other was Dr. Fraser's dedication to providing safe and nurturing environments for her patients with the goal of establishing trust and eliminating any fear or hesitation that can come with approaching a gynecologist. Dr. Fraser is also a member of ACOG or the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. If you don't know what that is, let me fill you in because we will be talking about some of Dr. Fraser's work in that area. ACOG is a professional membership organization for obstetricians and gynecologists with roots dating back to 1951. Their activities include producing guidelines for providers, educational materials for patients, they provide career support for OBGYNs, and they facilitate programs aimed at improving women's health. ACOG is composed of 12 districts, and they span various regions and countries and states both in North and South America. So Dr. Fraser is the chair at Section 1 in District 2, which is in New York. So our first question is just gonna make room for you to fill in the details there with your intro. Tell us
1: who you are today. Oh wow, well, thank you for having me. It's it's good to be below, that's, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, I love you guys too. I am... Like Kareem said, an OBGYN, um, born and raised in Trinidad, I came to the U.S. in 2001 for college in New York City, St. Francis College, then I went to University of Connecticut for medical school and then came back to New York for a residency in obstetrics and gynecology. I knew that I was going to be a physician probably since 13 or 14, just because growing up in a British education system, you kind of have to figure those things out pretty early. Um, But I would say for medicine and for a lot of things that I do, um, I kind of try to figure out like, what am I supposed to do? So I would say that medicine and definitely women's health is more of a, a calling. I, um, don't have like any good stories or anything that really happened. I just kind of had a moment where I was like, yeah, I think this is what (laughs) I'm supposed to do. And I think as I got the residency, things um, began to evolve and I started to see myself in a different way and sort of like, okay, is this it? Like, do I just doctor for the rest of my life? Um, And as I, you know, worked and started to see patients, I began to see different um, things that just bothered me about the way the health system worked, the things that, you know, I could or couldn't do based on the hospital I was in or the practice that I was in, or, you know, for various reasons. And it just, it frustrated me. Um, and also just the business of medicine. And and so I opened a private practice and, you know, th- there's always gonna be things that aren't gonna be ideal, um, but just working towards really giving my patients the best experience that I can give them. You know, sexual reproductive health care, especially for women, are so is so intimate, and I think you know I see it as my responsibility to do my best to not be my worst. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people stay you know stay away from the doctors after they have a really bad experience, and you know we're human too, so we can always have a bad day. But I think my my goal is to to the best of my ability to gave someone the most positive experience that I can, that I won't be a hindrance to them seeking care in the future. Yeah, I think it's also important to consider, I mean, both clinics
0: and private practices were really strained by the COVID surges, having a lot of extra people in the system that you mentioned. I just wanted to get a sense of what that was like, because you did mention wanting to be in the private practice realm so that you're not too stretched thin as a physician and it's important for you to show up at your best, which mm-hmm. is in the patient's best interest. So mm-hmm. how how was that during the, the COVID-19 surge?
1: So. I think for me, I I think I did have a unique experience just because I I was in transition again in life in that at the end of 2019, I did close my private practice and sort of was transitioning to um, another group practice where I won't be like, again, you know, trying to work on my own um, quality of life where I wouldn't be like, you know, kind of trying to be a jack of all trades. So I was in this in this space where i was kind of like working more like in the hospital um doing per diem stuff and when the surge hit i think one of the biggest changes for me personally was while i had been doing more like emergent like coverage just for like gynecology and people who would come into the er i was um i had to go to labor and delivery and we were doing like back to back so like you know long shifts and you would have to do like three days in a row um, you know, in those early days in New York, it was like, do you have enough, P- you know, PPE? Can you reuse your mask? Not reuse your mask. You know, hold your mask for like three days, or you know, and it, it was sort of like. Um, a lot of information was in in flux, and one day it was like no support system, you know, no outside visitors for patients, and then well, no, they can have X and having to test everyone, and it was just like information and in flux, even for the clinicians, because the other thing that happens during the pandemic is just doctors closed doctor's offices closed people moved locations if you're in a small private practice and you know you're shut down like every other business the same way you can't keep your doors open right so a lot of doctors had to you know close their practices move out of state there are some specialties that were deemed not important like a lot of doctors they just didn't really couldn't do anything operating rooms were closed for things that were elect, deemed elective surgery so it really a lot of people you know doctors were in, in flux we're obviously not the same place at least in New York that we were um, last March and April but you know it, it, it I think it still is a bit um, for patients because you want to you know be everything you know be has accommodating and you know patients want if they're coming into appointments they want family members and things like that but you also have to consider yourself your staff your other patients in terms of how many people are in the office and so it it can still be a very um it's still very mentally taxing for all of us but definitely you know in in healthcare just trying to figure out how to um keep everyone safe and and protected while still having patients feel um, and know that, you know, they're able to receive um, care in, you know, whenever they they need it.
0: Definitely, it sounds like being in flux is mentally taxing. And I think, I mean, we are almost at two years into the pandemic. um, So I do want to talk about physician burnout um, so just feel free to explain what that term means to you.
1: Burnout is something that we talk about a lot more now um, in terms of physician. Well, it's actually for a few years, not just with the pandemic, but um, and it's one of those things that's like systemic. <laughs> it's one of those things that you can't just say like, oh, yeah, let's do this. And I think what we've done a lot is talk about it, which is great. Um, But it's basically, you know, how I've seen it and it's an actual thing is basically as a person, but in this case, as a physician, you are not only exhausted, you're not only like, you know, mentally, like, I would say, like, just done, like you're tired, you kind of almost you're so tired, and you're so used, like you just, um, and it's not just like a physical, I'm physically tired because I work, but you're just, you know, dealing with not only patient care, but all the administrative stuff and everything else you have to do. It's almost like you don't really enjoy much. It's almost like you're not, it, you you stop enjoying just regular, like, life. You're just sort of like a shell of yourself. I mean, that's like an extreme, yeah. but and you can see yourself getting um, in different phases of that. But it's just a, a place of just um you know it's it's not it, it's a place where a lot of times it physicians when they get to they sort of consider you know choosing a different career or a different career path they just feel like you feel like you have a lack of control and you've given all you can give in all that you can give and still more is required of you and you don't even have anything else to give and you know you feel you're at a loss you're losing yourself not just to yourself but to your family the rest of you know yourself as a person you're losing yourself as a person almost Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um and it's just really like just a lack of you know um enjoyment almost i i feel like someone once told me like in trying to figure out oh what's my ideal thing that i want to do in life you know and it can be applied to any job, it's like choose that thing that when you do it it, it, it gives you energy. So it, you know, and it's almost like when you're burnt out or you're getting to, to be burnt out, it's like that thing is not giving you any energy, it's just using energy. Um, and even the things that maybe you were like, okay, this is a stressful time, but I have, These things in my life that I want to do, um, and they sort of give me energy. Like those things, either they aren't able to give you that energy anymore, or um, you know, it's you can't even go to those things because you're so consumed by this other thing. And in this case, it's you know, it's you know, a current medicine.
0: Yeah. I like that you started off by saying this is physician burnout is not just like a physical thing. It's emotional. It's mental. It's like a lack of general enjoyment that it's not just focused in your career. It's like seeping into your personal life and like Mm -hmm. all aspects of your life. And what really struck me when we had a talk about this is when you said like, how do I say I need a break when COVID cases are on the rise? So not just like I'm feeling burnt out. My like profession, like you said, is not giving me the energy. It's taking my energy. But also, mm-hmm. I can't just, just they can't physicians at some point just couldn't disconnect from what was going on. It's like you, it's like you said at the beginning. Physician burnout is systematic. Like structurally, people are expected to work long hours and deliver at a certain degree as a physician. Like you're literally out here helping and serving people. And so there's this whole package of guilt that can come with how you've kind of been trained to perform versus like all like the pressures, the pandemic, etc and then it trickles down to the individual level it sounds like too like people need to be able to admit that they're burnt out and that that's a difficult step in itself Um, and I like how you also said like there needs to be structures and things in place if the system can't be completely like reimagined then it should be reformed like add counselors, add wellness officers, etc. And I know that some of your activism activism with ACOG right now is in that area, um, looking out for future medical students. Um, Could you share a bit more about that with us?
1: yeah definitely as we think about how to support the doctors in our communities just realizing that we we have we can't just do business as usual so we we always have wellness events at conferences a few years ago we went to bermuda and everyone's still talking about bermuda because it was so great Um, but also just again just realizing doctors or people so not and not just supporting doctors when they're early stage in residency or early career but also when they're 10 years in and kind of saying okay is this still the direction you want to go with your life or you know is this your optimal practice situation are there other things you want to do with your life like people you know grow um, but there tends to be a tendency for physicians to kind of like okay this is what you have to do you signed up for you're going to do this until you die or retire right um but just you know focusing on other interests and things like that so we think a lot about what we should you know how we can engage people in a way that's not just another conference come attend this other meeting or anything like that that takes time but how can we really engage um the person and right. developing a system as much as we can for what we offer for to our members, um, what we can do in, in that respect.
0: Yeah, like just because you want to be a doctor doesn't mean that's entirely where all your energies and like life is gonna be. Yeah, and
1: forever. Like, you know what I mean? No. Mm-hmm. You you can grow, you can change, you can pivot, pivot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear and I mean even in the pre-med field about pivoting. Like people are like and I think that's actually kind of built in as well. Like we take those classes as pre-med and they're designed to like weed us out and it's kind of like weeding out as like pivoting is bad. We're weeding you out. But like no, it's just <laughs> pivot right. like you said be encouraged be engaged as like a whole person. Like you have multiple different interests. Right. Um we didn't really get to touch on your medical entrepreneurship because you do have multiple interests too and that takes its form in various places whether it's Juno or Kira Health. If um, you want to touch on that briefly,
1: yeah, I think um, entrepreneurship. Well, I kind of realized when I decided to open a practice, I was sort of like becoming an entrepreneur, even though they don't really teach you much about business in medical school, they should. Um, but mm-hmm. it, entrepreneurship is just basically being innovative. Like reckon it's literally seeing a problem and coming up with solutions. So everyone just go be an entrepreneur. And but it's like, um yeah, so it's it's a bit of a pivot for me, but, you know, it's not a full you know, 180, but um, sort of using my experiences of what I've learned as a physician, as a patient, as a minority um, woman, as an international student, as an immigrant, and using those things to sort of, I'm a fixer by nature, so sort of figure out how I can have some sort of impact. What can I create and develop to solve those problems that, that I've seen um, and realizing that I can't, you know, see patients, you know, 80 hours a week, and then go try to do those things. So um, it, it's a pivot in the sense of realizing that, um, you know, sometimes you have to take time to do other things um, that are also important to you, um, and trying to make a, a a change that has lasting impact, that's innovative, and that others can come and build on. You know.
0: Awesome, that was a beautiful answer to that question. Um, We're at the last one here. I wanted to end with something personal. So let's go, we're going back. This is before you were 13, before you even knew you wanted to be a doctor. What advice would you give to your
1: 10-year-old self? I would say relax. (laughs) You don't have to have it all figured out. Um, I think every stage especially when you're like I'm gonna be a doctor you know you have to do this 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 this, and you've chosen something that's uber competitive and everyone's already telling you from go one from day one like you were just saying like what's your backup plan you're like I don't have a backup plan what do you mean backup plan this is what I'm gonna do and so and there were things I was like I'm gonna go to ex-college this, 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 and if things didn't go the way that I thought it should go, like it was like a disaster. Um, but just realizing that life happens, and sometimes you you have to be open to kind of seeing where 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 it takes you, and don't um, don't complete the picture before, you know what I mean? Don't jump to the end of the story before you've even, you know, experienced the first few pages and, and the middle and the last third. Like, don't decide what's gonna be that ending. Sort of just live. Like, experience, experience. obviously you have goals, but um, experience life and just give yourself um, breathing room to change, to grow. Um, don't, don't be so hard on yourself dang girl um like you're human like don't i everyone knows i'm like the biggest critic of myself and it's like just be you and know that it's okay i think my success as a physician right now or at my patients i have a good rapport with my patients is that I've learned to harness me. <laughs> I've learned to be like, I need to be me in all situations. And so you're going to get me, whether I decide I want blue hair, I want locks, I want um, to wear sneakers with everything, whatever it is that I feel is Candace on that day, everyone is gonna see that version of me. So I would want 10 year old Candice just to appreciate who she is in her tiny undersized scrawny (laughs) over talkative self um be cool just be cool
0: thank you for ending us on that note that was beautiful (laughs) yeah shout out 10 year old candace (laughs) be
1: cool be cool girl be cool (laughs) yeah
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're interested in learning more about Kira Health, we actually have a five-day free trial available just for you. So make sure you go check out our website to learn more at www.kira.io.